Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like building grid-scale solar energy in Ohio and producing gas with fewer operational emissions in Texas. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Large retail and e-commerce companies have made it easy for consumers to buy just about anything and everything online. But there's a new company in Chicago that is helping small businesses compete with the big guys so they can offer the same flexibility and speed of receiving their purchases. A La Move is an app-based, same-day courier service that helps with delivery for small businesses. The goal at La La Move is simple. Help local Chicago small businesses by providing affordable delivery for their customers. La La Move merges the rideshare model with courier services to deliver anything from flowers to furniture and everything in between. Right now, La La Move is offering free delivery for one month. Visit lalamove.com. That's lalamove.com to learn more. If you want to talk about a separate issue, there will be a time and a place for that. But you are out of order, sir. Yeah, you're out of order, too, Ben. I'm not paying your property taxes. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, come on, man, please. The bill just came the other day. Come on, man. Never. How's it going, everybody? We are live. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, February 2nd. Happy February, everybody. Happy February, Ben. Happy February to you, young man. You know what? I think we should have a promotional deal. So like, like a trivia contest and whoever wins a trivia contest gets to pay my property tax bill. That's, How about that? Huh? That's horrible. No one's doing okay. that. <laughs> oh, well. Happy February, everybody. Your Ben Jarofsky show for Tuesday, February 2nd is moments away. But before we do this, let's thank our sponsors. Sponsors like SEIU Healthcare, Illinois, Indiana. They are sponsors. The Chicago Federation of Labor sponsors this program, as well as the Chicago Reader. ChicagoReader.com. Go check it out. Subscribe for all things there is to know the city of Chicago. Uh, A lot of plans. Uh, coming up for the Chicago Reader as far as uh, the podcasting game as well. So be on the lookout for that Chicago Reader. Check them out. Fantastic publication. And Ben writes a column with the Chicago Reader. We're going to be talking about his latest column a little later on. But first, your song of the day, Ben. And your song of the day obviously comes from Frank. Frank just seems to know your taste. (laughs) Today, more of the same. Shake Your Groove Thing by Peaches and Herb. Shake your groove thing. Peaches and Herb. They wrote that song? I don't know. know. Shake your groove thing. Yeah. Okie doke. The Ben Jarofsky Show starts now. It is Tuesday, February 2nd, and live from my apartment and his attic, this is the Bendrovsky Show. Today on the program, in these times, writer Miles Camflassen returns. And now your host, Chicago Reader columnist Ben Jarofsky. Hello, everybody. Ben Drosky here. We're calling this Lululemon Tuesday. And here's why. 
Great week. You have a good weekend, D? Yes, I did. Oh, that's what I wanted. Did you go anywhere? Uh... No, I did not. Okay, but you still had a great weekend. You're yeah. looking very good. Dennis is looking good these days. You said that like five times now. Uh, yeah, well, it's something about you. Maybe oh. a shade or something. Anyway, I had a great weekend. Watch the little things. That's Denzel's latest, Denzel Washington. I love Denzel. In my mind, I'm Denzel, my man. It's my man. There was a, a phase of my life where I went around saying, my man, because <laughs> I was Denzel in my head. I mean, that's like now. That's like 2021. You, you still say that. <laughs> Love Denzel. There's the good Denzel. Remember the Titans? There's the bad Denzel, training day. There's the sort of bad and good Denzel mixed together, inside man. There's the noble Denzel, Malcolm X. He's now got, he's got a good old... job in Hollywood, that Denzel. What's that? He's got a good job in Hollywood, that Denzel. Yeah. He got this Johnny yeah. Depp who has to like be a different character and do a lot of studying and all these character works. Denzel, they're just like, hey, can you just like be you? Just do that Denzel thing. <laughs> yes. And it's a really great thing. Now is the old Denzel from uh, the um, uh, the little things. And I can relate. He's old and he's paunchy and he moves slow and he's a little slouched. And the world's just sort of getting him down. And he's haunted by the past. He's wise but weary. And maybe he doesn't want to get out of bed in the morning. But there's a killer on the loose. So Denzel's got to do Denzel. And I can relate, D. I move a little slow in the morning. In fact, I got to do yoga stretches every morning. As a matter of fact, yesterday at about 11 in the morning, I'm doing my yoga stretches. And my phone rings, ring-a-ling-a-ding-dong, and it's Dr. D. Uh, Ben, we have a reader meeting. Oops. And then in just a burst of honesty, and I'll never get you anywhere, folks, I told Dennis, I'm doing my yoga. Tell him I'm in a very important phone interview with newsmakers. Tell him I'm interviewing Lori Lightfoot. So what does he do? He tells the reader people, "Uh, Ben's doing his yoga. Read it out by the doctor. I come onto the Zoom call, and everyone's making fun of me, particularly a certain Karen, who's an editor at the reader. She says I'm doing tree pose, which is actually true. I was doing tree pose. Then she says I'm wearing a Lululemon, which is a high-end brand of yoga pants with a see-through booty. It's the rage. In fact, Dennis is wearing it right now. See-through booty. All about that see-through booty. You know, as this Karen pointed out, it's like you're basically mooning everybody in your yoga class. That's me living large in my Lululemons with my see-through booty. I'm mooning the mailman. Anyway. Uh, you may need, to, you may need to start running your copy by me before the show. <laughs> mooning the mailman? What are we talking about here? That could be mooning the mailman Tuesday, and here's why. Anyway, I woke up Tuesday to see that Bernie's mittens are back in the news, the story that'll never die. I wanted to call it Mittengate, but Dennis said, no, no, no more Gates. You have Bill Gates. You have Stacey Davis Gates. Uh, I was like, yeah, what about Henry Davis Gates? He's John, not even a Gates. He's just Henry Davis. Oh, yeah. So from now on, I'm just going to say fence. Get it, D? Gate, fence, mitten, fence. Oh, <laughs> once again, <can> we... <laughs> Okay, moving forward, please send your uh, here's what's on my mind and here's why column uh, to me before the show so I can proofread this. Yes, you can edit it, I know. 
Anyway, I know what you're thinking. You're thinking, Ben, there's so much news in the world. How can you concentrate on Bernie's mittens? There's Biden meeting with Republicans gearing up to sell out working class Americans with a deal that only moderates can love. There's Trump hiring new lawyers, get ready for a second impeachment. A pair of the old lawyers wanted to act like real defense lawyers, and Trump wants lawyers to argue that the election really was stolen. Apparently, there's an extreme... The re- the, and the headline in the New York Times says the extreme wing tests its power over the GOP. Marjorie Taylor Greene, who is batshit crazy, ladies and gentlemen, is giving the middle finger of sorts to the Adam Kinzingers of the world, saying, I own MAGA. You're nothing but my little bitch. So why would I want to talk about Bernie's mittens when it's the, all these other important issues to talk about? I'll tell you why, because it's trending. If you recall, I was always out of the loop because I don't follow Twitter. And so people do, like Maya and Ramana and Nick would always tell me, Ben, you didn't see on Twitter that it's Groundhog Day and everybody's making jokes on Twitter. But now I have this new Google update thing. So you go to search and you click on Google to do a search and up pops the top trending searches of the day. So I know, for instance, that Dolly Parton's Medal of Freedom is trending. I went to that. It turns out that Donald Trump had offered Dolly the Medal of Freedom, but she turned him down. Something about her husband being sick. So anyway, Barack Obama went on the Steve Colbert show and Colbert said, why doesn't Dolly Parton have a Medal of Freedom? And Barack Obama said, good idea, I'll call Joe. And so he called Biden and Biden reached out to Dolly and and Joe offered it to her. But now Dolly Parton doesn't want it because it would look political. And so she's favoring Biden over Trump. And this, Dr. D, is what America is keyed on. So they don't care about Biden and the GOP and the size of the relief pan. Anyway, further down the list, but still rank high, is Mitten Gate. I mean, Mitten Fence. That's, of course, allusion to when Bernie wore mittens at the inauguration. And it was uh, used, it was a meme that just was dominated the news for like three days. It's still out there, apparently. A former UFC uh, Berkeley professor wrote an op-ed for a San Francisco n- newspaper saying Bernie, quote, manifests privilege for, <laughs> for wearing his meme-evoking inauguration outfit. And I'm going to quote from the essay. I puzzled and fume as an individual as I strove to be my best possible teacher. What did I see? What did I think my students should see? A wealthy, incredibly well-educated and privileged white man showing up for perhaps the most important ritual of the decade in a puffy jacket and huge mittens. Bernie manifests privilege, white privilege, male privilege, and class privilege in ways that my students could see and feel. Yeah, I had two thoughts when I saw uh, this story. Number one. I thought, come on, that's so unfair to Bernie. I thought he was dressed kind of nice. And number two, you know, I think she had a good point. I mean, women, liberate yourself. You should emulate Bernie. Throw away your heels. Dress like me and Dennis and Bernie in comfortable clothes. By the way, in a very serious level, I don't know if you saw this, but AOC, she felt threatened uh, during the uh, insurrection at the, at the Capitol. And part of the reason is she was wearing heels. She wished she had worn sneakers so she could run away from the insurrectionists, who she, who she rightly thought would perhaps, well, kill her maybe. Anyway, so I think, the, I think the professor is making a very important point. That it's about time that the standards were lower for women and, so they could dress like me and Dennis and Bernie. Of course, that story is trending largely because Fox News is promoting it, part of their effort to show America how idiotic lefties can behave. 
Look on the bright side, Professor. If Bernie's stress is the worst thing that you're facing in your life right now, you got it pretty good. We got a great show today, and we should have done a little more pre-show prep. It is not Maya who will be joining us, but the great Miles Kampf Lassen will be joining us. (laughs) From in these times. Uh, Maya will be joining me at First Tuesday later uh, tonight, a virtual First Tuesday, I might add. Uh, Miles will be wearing a tuxedo, part of his oh, effort right. uh, oh. to dress Cha- nicer. Changing the title yeah. now. On, yes, uh, it's okay. YouTube. It's no problem. We didn't do great pre-show planning. Actually, we did great pre-show planning, but we didn't talk about the guests. So anyway, Miles Conflassen will be joining us. He'll be talking about, oh God, Biden's negotiations with the uh, Republicans. Is he selling out to working class America? He'll be talking about uh, the madness over GameStop and whether we should tax transactions. Here, here, I say it's about time we do that. Uh, and we'll probably get into some discussion discussion of local Chicago politics as well. Plenty of political talk ahead with Miles Conflas. But before we do that, the young man from Alton, the man they call the doctor with the news. I just don't know how I'm going to edit that intro. <laughs> How's it going, everybody? I'm Dennis. Before we find out what's happening in Chicago and or Illinois this afternoon, we need to talk about tonight's big event. Yes, it is the first Tuesday of February. And yes, there is a first Tuesday virtually live from the hideout. Well, yeah, she's not going to be on today's show, but she's going to be there tonight. Maya Duke Masava, Ben, tell us about it, who you got lined up and how pumped are you at the moment? I'm very pumped about it. Uh, Yana Kachanoff from uh, Chalkbeat and Gregory Pratt uh, from the Chicago Tribune will be joining Amaya and myself uh, to discuss the um, the situation confronting Mayor Lori Lightfoot and the Chicago Teachers Union uh, as they wrangle over whether to open the schools. And, uh, you know, I, I did a, a shout out about this um, uh, on uh, in the Reader's Newsletter. You know, I, I'm very open about my view of the world. Maybe it's time to Hear what other people have to say. You know, that's, don't you think that's a good idea, D? So uh, a couple of outstanding journalists who've really been following this closely, uh, the political end of it, the, the, the science end of it, you know, whether it's actually safe to open the schools, whether we should trust the Board of Education when they say, don't worry, everything's great, no problem, just show up. So the politics of it, the science of it, and uh, it should be a really good discussion. It starts at 7 o'clock tonight. And um, right now, kind yeah. of explain what First how this. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Explain how this is going to work. Don't show up at the hideout. Right. Please don't show up at the hideout. Nobody will be at the hideout. It's all virtual. In fact, I should have that. You know what? I should have written it down. D um, the little website that you got to go to. Where yeah, is it? The link. Uh, yes. The link. I should have written it down. Uh Oh, not good. Pre-show planning. Oh, boy. Uh, how am I going to edit that out? All right. Now, find First Tuesday on Facebook, everybody. Just yes. find the link there. You'll be able to go to check out the First Tuesday tonight happening virtually. Do not show up at the hideout. Once again, I repeat, do not show up at the hideout. I mean, unless- no, and also just to tell you, it's it's going to cost five dollars. And part of it is to raise money for the hideout. The hideout has been closed for I don't know how long days since March. So uh, it's to help the hideout. It's a good cause. So a lot of pol- great political discussion. And you help the hideout. There you go. Check it out tonight. Local news. Let's do it. We begin in Chicago and our coverage of the ongoing dispute between the Chicago mayor and her Chicago teachers union continues. Remember, 
Mayor Lightfoot and the CPS really want the teachers to go back to their classrooms. And CTU has been like, ah, no way, man, we're not doing that. This pandemic, you're crazy. What are you talking about? And then meanwhile, CPS is like, come on, quit being wimps. Just get in that dang classroom, would you? That about explains it, right? <laughs> Sums it up. <laughs> All right. So uh, before we get to today's news, let's find out what went down over the weekend. The headline reads from the Chicago Sun-Times and the Dearisa, CPS won't lock out teachers this week, pushing back strike threat in hopes of final resolution. The city of Chicago and its public school teachers who spent the weekend haggling over how and when to return in-person classes and setting the stage for a possible teacher strike. It means some 70,000 Chicago pupils who had planned to return to the classroom today will instead continue to stay home for remote learning unless they have special permission to work from home. Teachers are otherwise required to report to their schools today to prepare for in-person learning with students on Tuesday, Lightfoot said during a late afternoon press conference on Sunday. In a tweet, CTU said CPS data shows, quote, more than 100 positive COVID-19 cases in school buildings between January 9th and January 23rd. We can survive remote learning, but we can't survive remote learning if we don't survive COVID-19, the tweet said. Ben, we have some more to cover here, but your thoughts on what we've uh, just covered there. Well, this is just, it's Groundhog Day, so it's sort of a repeat of everything that we've been talking about for the last two weeks on this show uh, in regards to the teachers and the CPS. Uh, but the bottom line is there's tremendous amount of distrust uh, on on the part of teachers toward the central office in terms of its ability to open the schools in a safe and secure way. And uh, this is this is a reality that's existed for many years predating a Lori left. This this goes back to like the 70s, like a healthy amount of distrust between teachers and the central office. And uh, I've been seeing this long before. Karen Lewis took control of the Chicago Teachers Union and made it more radical, made it more a lefty. Uh, and uh, I know that's like the trend analysis going on uh, in, in the world today. We'll get more into that in terms of positioning uh, the union's grievance with Lori Lightfoot in this larger political context. But the reality is, is that teachers have a healthy, and I underscore healthy, sort of, what's the right word I want to say, uh, uh, distrust for the proclamations that come from the central office. Uh, you know, you, you just hear some of the same stories played out over and over again, and you've come to uh, not believe them as time goes on. And that's essentially what's at play here. You know, it's like you see something on the news if you're a teacher and you realize it completely contradicts what you see every day. We had fun with this last week, but it really wasn't funny when we talked about how Mayor Lightfoot and Janice Jackson last week said, what they say, D, they spent like this, it, the number actually varied. I'd be interested to see what the reporters have to say at the first Tuesday tonight. How much was actually spent cleaning up the schools and then teachers go to schools and what, what do they see? A dead mouse. So it's like you spend all that money cleaning up the classroom and you see a dead mouse. And that that like, like that just feeds into this distrust that teachers have. So if you're asking teachers to suddenly believe uh, whatever it is that the central off, office is saying, you're sort of asking them to go against a trend that's, I don't, 
is as long as I can remember. And I've been around a long, long time. It goes back to the 70s. And so really, D, that's, that's sort of like at the heart of this thing. And no mayor has ever figured out a way to, what, to make teachers have confidence in the proclamations and the ultimatums and the declarations that come out of central office. I think we had more or less peace. And I put that in quote in the nineties and the early O's, but that's when the board of ed uh, was giving teachers raises and using as the money for those raises uh, cash that should otherwise have been going to their pension funds. <laughs> oh my goodness. I remember that debate, but you know, like nobody's worried about pension funds. You know, I mean, that's so down the road. Teachers were relatively happy, content because they were getting raises and there was summer school. And so if you wanted to work extra, you could pick up cash working in summer school. So this is just like I said, this is an age old struggle in Chicago between the people who run the public schools and the teachers who work there. D and we're just seeing it play out with COVID as the backdrop. All right. Also, over the weekend, this Uber local story that we've been covering literally every day for the last three weeks went national. On the verge of a strike, Chicago public schools will not return to in-person learning as planned today. That was Mika Brzezinski, co-host of what I've heard is becoming Ben Jarofsky's favorite political (laughs) talk show, MSNBC's Morning Joe with Joe Scarborough. (laughs) Uh, can I weigh in at this point to say something about Morning Joe? Just briefly, Dave. Yeah. I have a confession to make. I never heard more. I don't. Have I, st- have I still heard, never heard Morning Joe? I'm not, I don't think I've ever seen, actually seen a Morning Joe show. But uh, years ago, a dear friend of mine, Ed, Ed Pipes, if you're listening, uh, Ed was a uh, big watcher of cable news. And he came to my house to visit. Uh, and of course, we don't have cable. So he was like, where's Where's cable? I got to watch Morning Joe. And he wasn't watching Morning Joe back then because he agreed with him. He was watching Morning Joe because it fired up. He disagreed with everything Morning Joe, I had to say. My dear friend Ed is a lefty, much more liberal than Morning Joe. Morning Joe is a former Republican congressman from uh, from Florida who is uh, in the last, what, couple of years, moved more to the center because Donald Trump was just too obnoxious for Morning Joe. So anyway, but back in 2008, uh, Ed was all up in arms because Morning Joe was so biased in his humble opinion against Barack Obama, uh, who was running for president against John McCain. So that's how I first heard of Morning Joe, D. Yeah, it sucks. And, <laughs> so I still have never seen. But I remember last, was it a year ago? Morning Joe was uh, was trending. Trending on Twitter, trending on Google searches uh, because he was involved in a fight with Donald Trump. And Donald Trump was just, oh, Donald Trump lost his freaking mind so many times. Donald Trump was like making up allegations that uh, that Joe Scarborough had something to do with the disappearance of an aide. Remember this deal? Mm -hmm. Uh, He just made the stuff up as he went. Typical Donald Trump. So then, you know, the lefty in me, the liberal in me, was like sort of favorable to Joe's. Oh, yeah, he's fighting Trump. He must be okay. It's sort of like the Adam Kinzinger thing. And, uh, well, anybody who's against Trump has got to be sort of okay. By the way, Heidi Henry will be on the show 
Victory Buckley, big time with coming up this week. Can't wait. Uh, Heidi Henry and Murray Brill, the uh, Harlem Mom will be coming on to talk about Adam Kinnisier and other things. Uh, so anyway, I kind of fav- found myself being sympathetic to Morning Joe, even though <laughs> I have no idea really what he sounds like or looks like or acts like. Oh, and- it's, it's awful. He's just <laughs> bossing that Mika lady around. Mika, come on, Mika. Oh, Mika. Is that a real good morning Joe imitation? You were doing it earlier today in the pre-show. Oh, uh, Mika, Mika, give me a <laughs> Mika, go get me a coffee. I, I'm your co-host, dude. Do Lori Lightfoot? I'm not doing any Joe. impressions. All right, so uh, Morning Joe actually had Mayor Lightfoot on their program Monday, but Ooh. first Sunday. When CPS president Janice Jackson was invited to CBS onto a show with maybe the most intimidating title I've ever heard, Face the Nation. Oh, God. Double J spoke about their ongoing tussle with the teachers. Let's hear the audio. Chicago Public Schools CEO Dr. Janice Jackson joins us. Good morning to you. Good morning. The mayor has demanded that elementary and middle schools open tomorrow. Will the teachers union go on strike? Well, right now we're in the middle of um, negotiations that have really heated up over the past couple of weeks. Our goal is to reopen schools as planned um, tomorrow on February 1st for students in our K through eight uh, grades. It's also important to note, we did bring back our early childhood students and some of our students with disabilities earlier this month um, and had real good success uh, with reopening. So we are looking forward to restarting again. What happens to teachers if they don't show up tomorrow? Well, the goal right now is to, to get a resolution. CTU has made it clear that they want um, a deal. Um, we share those same sentiments, um, but we're still far apart on a couple of key issues uh, such as vaccination um, and how we uh, account for accommodations for individuals who maybe are just you know petrified to come back into schools because of COVID. Brilliant, Duck and Dodge. You notice that, D? I tell you what, that was well done, uh, uh, Janice Jackson. That that was a direct question. What happens to teachers if they don't show up? And well, our goal is a resolution, and then she just took off. I hope you were paying attention, Tony Preckwinkle. That's an effective duck and dodge. You don't call attention to the duck and dodge, but you do the duck and jo- dodge. Uh, J.B. Prisker somewhere is nodding his head going, well done, huh. well done. <laughs> game recognizes game. Uh, yeah. that, that, that's that's part of the problem right there. Earlier on, remember, remember, uh, Lori was really tough. I'll take your car. <laughs> well, that's like a metaphor. Uh, but they were really tough with the teachers, you know, talking about firing them, perhaps if they didn't show up to the classroom, not paying them, locking them out of their computers so they can't do remote. It was a tougher attitude. Now, seems like it seems like as a sign that they may be easing up on that toughness D, they don't directly answer the question. So think, view that as progress. Do you follow what I'm saying? Instead, instead of saying, what happens to teachers that don't show up? What's the lady's name on Face the Nation? Whatever, whatever her name is. I don't know. <laughs> Let's just say her name is Pat Whalen, because he's the only guy I know who watches Face the Nation every Sunday morning. He texts me, Pat, I just watched Face the Nation. Anyway, 
So let's say the, the host's name is Pat Whalen. Uh, what happens to teachers if they don't show up, Pat Whalen? I'll tell you what happens to them. We take them down in the basement. We rough them up. That's how we deal with these punk teachers in the city of Chicago. Now, that would have been direct answer <laughs> to a question. But now everybody's getting along. So instead, she goes, well, our goal is resolution. And uh, by the way, did I tell you how much I love Denzel's new movie? It's a great movie. It's an old and weary Denzel, a little paunchy, not quite like the Denzel and Remember the Titans, at which point the face of the nation lady would be like, oh, wow, that's a brilliant duck and dodge discussing Denzel's latest. All right. So that was the gist of uh, Janice Jackson's appearance on CBS's Face of the Nation. Way to go, Janice, on Face of the Nation there. All right. And now moving on to Mayor Lightfoot's appearance. How did you go from sharing stories over the years to deciding to write a book? Good question, Mayor. Good question. And thank God, no, she was not the interviewer. She was the interviewee on MSNBC's Morning Joe program. And sadly, uh, Ben, I know you're going to be bummed here, but your boy, Mr. Morning Joe himself, Joe Scarborough, <laughs> was not present for the interview. No. Yeah. Who? What? To quote Pat Whalen, what? Who? Or wait, what? For the FanDuel commercial. Remember that day? Wait, what? Yeah. <laughs> not present. I imagine it was something like, Amika, what's next? Uh, Chicago, I'm going to the bathroom. <laughs> so who did the interview? Well, uh, it was Mika. Oh, okay. The other person? Well, okay, the other one. Okay, good. So she asked the tough question. And huh? we have a surprise uh, guest as well uh, interviewing Lori Lightfoot. We'll get to that in moments. I do have clips. So let's hear what I got from Lori Lightfoot's Monday morning interview with Morning Joe. Take it away, Mika. Mayor Lightfoot, explain what is keeping uh, teachers from returning to the classrooms. Where are the shortfalls that are not keeping them safe? Well, first of all, um, thanks for uh, having me on this morning. Let me be very clear. Our schools are safe. Um, We've invested over $100 million um, in ventilation, other safety protocols, making sure that we have masks, um, safety health screening, um, temperature checks, all the things that you would expect that the CDC guidance has told us um, that we know uh, makes sense to mitigate any uh, issues in schools. We've looked at and followed every study across the globe, including here in Chicago, by our local experts. Our schools are safe. And you don't have to take my word for it. We've had three weeks of safely and implementing our plan until the teachers union blew it up. Yes, that dastardly teachers union blew it up. Everything was going so well. And then the teachers union destroyed it. Oh, <laughs> it's like, I just remember those, like when I was a kid, I played a game. Uh, it wasn't a very subtle game D would be like, I'd have two dolls and the dolls would have a fight. And I would make the dolls. And that's kind of like the way we're supposed to view things in Chicago. The world was beautiful. What a great, lovely city we had. COVID was not a problem. And then the damn dastardly teachers union came and they blew it up. The question is, is like, uh, what is keeping (laughs) teachers from the classroom? Uh, The obvious answer is uh, COVID-19, ever heard of it? A pandemic. (laughs) Yes, things are just normal out there. Everybody's just like, when it comes to teachers in a classroom, everybody forgets there's a pandemic. You know what I'm saying? 
And it really is a form of schizophrenia. Because on one hand, they'll be like, well, it's good news is that the number of people who are getting COVID is falling, but bad news, the number of people who have COVID are more dying, okay? And there's this new strain that's coming in that we're not quite sure if the uh, vaccine even uh, heals or protects us from. Uh, But meanwhile, what's keeping those teachers from the classroom? Oh, I wonder what it could be. It's so convenient how like we forget. It's like, it's like the ability to compartmentalize in your brain, like these different issues. And you know what? Many of my friends who are really, they, they tell me this, D, D I'm going to really bend over backwards to be what? More open-minded. My good friend, Kenny Davis, he always tells me, Ben, you have to consider all the issues here. And so maybe it is possible. Maybe it is possible that you can have a pandemic raging, which has got you worried uh, and has you making all these proclamations, keeping track of the number of people who got it, number of people who are dying, and still open the schools. But I don't know. But it's, it's, it's really hard when the opening question is, what is keeping teachers from the classroom? Kind of forgetting the whole pandemic thing that's been going on for about a year, D. But wait, there's more. Now look, I get it. Teachers are concerned. They're scared, which is absolutely why we've been working literally night and day for the last two weeks in particular, 70 plus meetings since June to get a deal done. I think we can still get a deal done. We are working diligently to make that happen. A strike would be catastrophic, mostly for our kids. But we're pushing as hard as we can to seal these last few remaining but tough issues. It's not about we don't want teachers to be safe. It's absolutely not about we don't respect the rights of organized labor. Chicago's a labor town. Wow. Well, she was about to go somewhere with that. I guess we're going to come back to that in a little while. But yes, no. so I get it. Well, we're not coming back to that. That's okay. all the audio I had from that comment. All right. Well, I'll, I'll pick up on that. Uh, I get it. Teachers are concerned. Uh, that's why we've been working night and day to get a deal done. I get it. Teachers are concerned. So that's about as close uh, as people in Chicago, powers that be in Chicago, will, will come to acknowledging the concerns of teachers. It's like the, the, the statement you make before the but. You know what I'm saying? Well, I get it. Teachers are concerned. But get in that freaking classroom right now. I don't want to hear about that dead mouse you found in there. We spent $100 million cleaning up the classroom. So that's it. Somehow or other, every mayor we've had since uh, the last couple of years of daily has been incapable of sounding like he or she genuinely cares about teachers. And it has a lot to do with the role that the teachers union plays in the politics of Chicago. And we're going to get to that now. The part of the uh, quote uh, that just got cut off, she went on this riff and I got to give her credit. I'm going to just say from a political standpoint, it was like a brilliant riff. She went on a riff where she essentially said, ah, Chicago is a very uh, union town. I love unions. I support unions. There's like 40 unions. I'm, paraphrasing this, uh, in, in the city of government. And we get along with all of them, except the right wing leadership of the, uh, Chicago fraternal order police and this union, meaning the Chicago teachers union. And just there, she set up this 
equivalency between the fraternal order of police who by and large are, how do I put this, D? I would say out of touch, politically speaking, with most people in the city of Chicago. Chicago went, what, 83% for Biden over Trump? Something like that. Fraternal order police is run uh, by a man, Johnny Catazzaro, who not only loves Donald Trump, but walks around with a T-shirt that says, I love Donald Trump or something to that effect. A sign that says, I love Donald Trump. Okay, so I would say he's really out of just the mainstream, politically speaking. But you position that union with the teachers union and the teachers union was all in for Joe Biden. They were all in for J.B. Pritzker. Yes, they were all in for Tony Preckwinkle. That didn't work out, and that's the roots of this problem, I'm sure, with uh, Mayor Lori Lightfoot. But I would say that the Chicago Teachers Union is much more in line with just what ordinary Chicagoans are thinking than the Fraternal Order Police. But if you if you contrast one with the other, that's like making it seem as though there's extreme on the left and there are extremists on the right, and I'm just trying to be do the right thing for most people in Chicago, and that's why they hate me. And I think that, D, I think it's a, a pretty sharp political move uh, by Lori Life. I'm not saying I agree with it. I absolutely oppose the notion that there's equivalency between the leaders of the Chicago Teachers Union and the leaders of the Fraternal Order of Police. I've said that many times. But uh, I could see, you know, not everybody's like me, D. I mean, I'm to the left. So I could see a lot of people, particularly in the north side of Chicago, you know, just like nodding their heads going, yeah. She must be right if the, the Trumpsters don't like her and the teachers don't like her. Yeah. And then they're like, on top of that, if your parent really frustrated uh, with your child being home every day and the inconveniences that causes, and you realize that um, there is something lost, obviously, uh, when you're doing remote learning over a computer as opposed to a classroom. It's just like, yeah. Yeah, I'm with Lori in that. Yeah, I can see it happening. I could, I, you know, I know my Northsiders. I can see my Northsiders nodding their head. Yeah. You know, the, this just makes sense. It, it's right. It's not fair. It's like those extremists on the left and those extremists on the right. <laughs> Brilliant move, Lori Lightfoot. You know, she's, this is her first time in public office, but she's showing a lot, D. Good. Rom is, well, Rom didn't even like pretend that Rom, <laughs> when Rom came in, he just took on all the unions. But then Rom learned. Got to be strategic. You got to pick and choose the unions you fight. And uh, the go-to union that the politicians in Chicago want to fight is the Chicago Teachers Union. Because they can go on strike and they will go on strike. And that's an inconvenience to everybody. And so it's easy to stir people up against them. So Rahm went after the teachers union big time. And by the way, that alliance, that's kind of a quiet alliance between our mayors, Rahm, Daly, Lori Lightfoot, and corporate Chicago, conservative Republican corporate Chicago, the one thing they share is like an animus toward the Chicago teachers union. And this goes back to the days of Karen Lewis. They can't stand it. They just, just the notion that these teachers 
would think they have the right to like demand, make demands of the powerful. powerful. You know, I got this. I've been watching. Uh, what's the name of this show? The uh, The Undoing. It's a long story, but I actually got HBO uh, in order to uh, watch the Denzel movie. Yeah, I wasn't gonna pirate off a friend. No, I went out and got HBO so I could watch uh, Denzel. Now I'm watching The Undoing, which is an incredibly stupid. Uh, episodic TV show, which D, I cannot believe I love as much as I do. I'm a little embarrassed to say, but there's Donald Sutherland plays this like nasty, mean, unbelievably rich. I don't know what he is, retiree, but he lives in this enormous uh, penthouse apartment somewhere on the Upper East Side of Manhattan. He's got money is definitely no object to this dude. Billions, he must be. He must have billions. And he's mean. He's like, I will make you do this because I'm a mean SOB. And that's the kind of people that mayors of Chicago listen to when it comes to the teachers union. I remember uh, Kenny G weighing in. Ken Griffin hated the Chicago teachers union. With like urging Mayor Rahm, break up the teachers. Bruce Rauner. Oh, my God. (laughs) In the early days of Rahm. Come on, Rom. We're going to talk about this tonight at uh, First Tuesdays. I think the uh, the powerful and well-to-do elite of Chicago just despise the Chicago teachers. You know, they got the ears of the mayor. And the mayor realizes that that's a good foe to have to a certain degree. If you want the north side, if you want the Gold Coast, and what you do is you say you're really doing it for uh, poor black kids, you're waging a war against the teachers union on behalf of poor black kids. It's actually, it's a very astute political strategy. I got to give her a lot of credit D, for following. So she's isolating the teachers from all the, there's the good unions. And then there's the bad unions. She's like, I go, and you know what D when I saw that quote, I'm like, Oh, that's, that's a good move. I'm not saying I agree with it. I'm not saying I welcome it, but politically shrewd move. Northsiders everywhere drinking their coffee going. Yes. Why can't we all get along and do what our mayor says? I trust my mayor more than I trust Stacey Davis Gates. And by the way, the, the Sun-Times, come on. I sent this picture to you. Did you see this picture on the front page of the Sun-Times? Yeah, yeah. That is the worst picture you guys could have found of Jesse Sharkey. I'm not saying that was an editorial stance by the Chicago Sun-Times, but good God, Jesse, good-looking guy. Where'd you get this picture? It's, it's, I don't know what, it looks like he's snarling. <laughs> I don't know. This is contra- and Lori looks great. Lori looks like a leader, a mayor. Jesse's like, <laughs> Chicago, man. Chicago, basically, you know, if you're in the sides of the teachers union, you're pretty much uh, on the outs in the city of Chicago. I would have to say, D, uh, you're on the outs. By the way, did the uh, teachers union get a, a, a spot on the uh, Morning Joe show? Did they get interviewed on the Morning Joe show? No, believe no. it or not. Did, were they on Face the Nation? Wait, no. Oh, isn't that interesting? <laughs> well, we want to hear from the teachers union. But let's hear from Lori Lightfoot. Well, we want to hear from the teachers union. In fact, here's Jesse Sharkey on that comment you made about his picture. I, um, yeah. okay. Right now, what's um? What's, okay, can't hear you. All right. <laughs> I don't know. Come on, sometimes, man. 
You could do a little better with a photo of Jesse Shark. Good God dang, look at this picture. I saw it. Yeah, it's. I, but, I mean, there's it, it been better like pictures of Jesse Shark. It's a good looking man, Sharky. Come on, sometimes you get a better picture. Oh, every picture of you is just beautiful. I bet in the in the in uh, the newspaper, huh, Ben? I don't. I mean, don't even put pictures of me in there. Oh wait, yeah, wait, wait, okay. Wait, I'll tell you this: when you put Johnny C in there, Johnny Canizares looking always dapper. Okay, ahead of the teachers, you got that little. You know how he lets his beard grow in a little bit. Oh, I'm looking good. It's like a Johnny Depp look. <laughs> I just had Johnny Depp on my mind because you said it. I don't think Johnny Depp ever had that look. No, it's like old boy. I always forget his name. I find him so annoying. Uh, American Idol, that dude. He's always got that look with it. You know what I mean? He's not really shaving, just kind of half shaving. Oh, Simon Cowell. No, no. Simon oh. Cowell's the British guy who, who's really tough. Uh, I think that sucked. No, the other guy, the, uh, the real glib, smug guy who would interview the contestants. Oh, oh, I can't remember his name. Ryan Seacrest. That's it. Yeah, yeah Seacrest. Uh, right. Johnny Canizera has that Seacrest look. He's letting it grow in again. Sometimes loves it. I go, oh, let's get another picture of Johnny C in there. Come on, guys. Got to get a better picture of Jesse Sharkey. Fair is fair. Just I mean, you. and, you know, uh, it's kind of even Steven here, Kat and Zara. You know, uh, I know we do, uh, you know, have comments uh, about you and your time at the Fraternal Order of Police, but we did just compare you to Ryan Seacrest. So, you know. <laughs> good looking guy. I mean, uh, Ryan Seacrest is a good looking guy. You know, I don't, I think he's smug and you find him exceedingly annoying, but good looking guy. All right, right. come on sometimes. Let's get a better picture. Do they got a picture in the Tribune? No, they didn't put anybody. They they got Joe Biden in a mask. That's it. So... Okay, well, I have one more piece of audio to play from Lori Lightfoot's appearance on Morning Joe with Joe Scarborough. Mika! <laughs> well, it wasn't with Joe Scarborough. It was with Mika. But the Joe's show, like, I'm busy. But Morning Joe is, is uh, for some reason, he was like in the can or something. I don't know where he was during this interview. But Wait, uh, I have a question. Why do they call it Morning Joe if Mika's there too? Because his name's, well, it's like coffee and his name's Joe. You know what I mean? I don't think we're supposed to think that hard about this. I see. Okay. Sorry. <laughs> oh, sorry. All right. Now, on to what? What's so funny? <laughs> Thinking too much, Ben. You're thinking too much. Yeah, focus, Ben. Ben focus. You're thinking too much. Focus, Ben. That's why I did so bad in the SATs. Dave's, I could go on that tangent. In the ACTs, I'd be like, oh, it's a multiple choice question. It could be this, it could be that, it could be the other thing. Hmm. And they'd be like, stop thinking about it, Benny. Just answer a freaking question. Move along. Okay. But it could be this, it could be that, it could be the other thing. Okay, now to our surprised, our surprise interviewer on MSNBC Morning Joe. Ben, do you know who this is at all? No, I have absolutely no idea. Well, let's, let's take a guess. Know. Take a few guesses who it could be interviewing Lori Lightfoot on Morning Joe, minus um, Joe. So it's not Morning Joe. Uh, Ryan Seacrest. He stopped in. All right, Hi, everybody. It, it's not Ryan Seacrest. One more guess. Um, who's the other guy? Uh, in the in American Idol, Randy. It's Randy okay, from American. You're not Idol. even trying. All right, so <laughs> let's find out who our surprise interviewer is. A man Lightfoot, Al Sharpton. Yeah, it's Al Sharpton. What was he doing there? I don't know. <laughs> well, what was his question? 
A Mayor Lightfoot, Al Sharpton. All right. Well, I have the question here. Here we go. Is there third parties, uh, clergy, uh, 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 outside influences that can help you to try to come to terms that can deal with both sides of this? Because at the end of the day, the students are the ones that are suffering with education, but you don't want to put their health at risk, but you don't want teachers to feel their health is at risk. Well, look, you, you hit the nail on the head. Um, we absolutely understand the concerns and fears of teachers, which is why starting in October, uh, we started um, a process for accommodations for teachers. If you are somebody who yourself has an underlying medical condition, if you are the primary caretaker for someone who has an underlying health condition, you don't have to come to in-person learning. We've given accommodations, thousands of accommodations for those teachers. Um, we're trying to see if there is more that we can do. We put a very specific proposal on the table. We're waiting for the teachers union to give us a response. Yeah, I want to duck and a dodge there. By the way, Al, I, I, did you get the notion that Al Sharpton was himself offer, offering himself up? I'll do it. I'll be the intermediary. Yeah, I was thinking that too. But it was a great question. I give Sharpton credit. Uh, I haven't heard him in a while. Sounds like he's like smoking like two packs a day. I get the same issue. Al, we got to drink tea or something. But no, clearly they need some kind of intermediary. You're absolutely correct, Al Sharpton. I give you credit. Zeroing in on it right away. You know, this again. There, there is tension. Larry Lightfoot's going on uh, the Morning Joe show, pretending as though all is peace and love with the Chicago Teachers Union. You know, we've been meeting with them. That in itself is a problem. And I'll repeat what I say over and over again. When the NBA, when the leaders of the NBA decided they wanted to open up the season after COVID had shut it down for about, what, I don't know how many weeks, maybe a month, the leader of the players union met with one of what was this uh, official with uh, ESPN or Walt Disney, who was going to be televising it to talk about just in general terms, what had to be done. It was an informal meeting between Chris Paul and the head of the uh, ESPN. They didn't go to negotiations with lawyers and HR guys in a room. You know, if you just keep reciting the number of meetings you've that your lawyers, your lawyers are sent into the room to say, don't give an inch on this until we're ready to give an inch. And so these are productive meetings that build bridges of communication between people. I've been at negotiating meetings, D. Good God. The old days of the reader when we were negotiating with the old ownership of the Sun-Times, long, long ancient history. But they wanted to drag things out. They would argue over every I and every T. Well, that's not a dot over the I. Every now and then, a Ted was his name. Very learned man, very smart guy. He was negotiating for the union, for the other side. Would give like a discourse, a discussion on the Taft-Hartley law. And, and of course, I didn't know about Taft-Hartley, so I couldn't argue with him. I didn't even know what re relevance it had, but he was just dragging things out. So you keep saying you had 70 meetings. That doesn't mean anything. That just means you're dragging things out. So, yes, Shepton's correct. There needs to be some kind of intervention between Lori Lightfoot and the leaders of the teachers union. I always get a feeling that with Lori, it's Stacey Davis Gates. She really has got this just 
animus towards Stacey Davis Gates. Don't know why. You get the feeling, D. I mean, you know what I'm saying? She like won't even mention her name. Remember, she wouldn't be in the same room as her. I, I don't get it. So, yes, they could use some intervention. Now, it could be that the teachers union is just already gearing up, got a camp candidate ready to run against Lori Lightfoot in 20, what is it, 2023? Good God, D. 2023 is just two years down the road. Could be. But it didn't have to be that way. You know what I'm saying? There could have been just like an informal meeting. I know that when I say this, I know it's so unrealistic. Powerful people don't concede anything. They don't just meet informally. I guess in the NBA they did. But those are high-priced talent. You know, LeBron James could shut down the season if he said, no, I'm not going to participate. So they had to do everything they could to win over the LeBron James and the Chris Pauls of the world before the season would begin again. Apparently, they don't have that same attitude in Chicago toward teachers. Shut up, get in their classroom, get there now. I'm going to meet with you 70 times. I'm going to bring in the HR guy, and he's going to recite like specific clauses of a contract. It's like a form of torture. Put you in a room, a windowless room. No, it's virtual now. So even worse, you're in Zoom. You're in Zoom hell. And the HR guy is going, uh, pursuant to section 425 of the contract with the teachers union, you'll see that in code 1842, and then Lori Life will go on the morning Joe show. We've had 70 meetings. Yeah, they're forms of torture. <laughs> it's not like you were reaching, bending over backward to reach an accord. Oh. I know what I can do. I'll torture those bastards. I'll make them sit in Zoom meetings. And I, you know, I admit I have a sort of a bias against Zoom meetings. So maybe I'm exaggerating how horrible they are. But I mean, on one hand, you, you got the reality of the distrust, years and years of distrust toward the Chicago, the leaders of the Chicago public schools by teachers. <laughs> you would think. That as a mayor, you would try to what? Undercut that early on. Find some way to just try to make peace. Al, Al Sharpton was right on, D. I got to give him credit. The guy is not even from Chicago, but he figured our city out in a moment. So there it was. Mayor Lori Lightfoot's appearance on national television over the weekend on MSNBC's Morning Joe. Ben seemed to really like it. Huge fan of Morning Joe now, even though he wasn't even on that show. Can you do your Morning Joe invitation? Oh, Mika, come on, Mika. Where's my coffee? (laughs) Now do Mika. I'm I'm not (laughs) doing impressions of women. Do Governor Pritzker on Morning Joe. No, let's just move on. Oh, come on. So that was over the weekend. And no, students did not return to classrooms again on Monday, which, by the way, just saying, probably would have been a snow day, right? Yes. Very good point. Would have been a snow day, so it's like a wash. So, you know. But here we are to Tuesday, today's news, and the following comes from the Chicago Sun-Times and Adir Issa. Chicago public schools teachers will not be locked out of remote learning this week as a gesture of good faith. Aw. Well, <laughs> really nice. Well, 
nice there. A little sweet within the sour. Uh, while negotiations with the Chicago Teachers Union continue, uh, backing off a threat that likely would have triggered a strike. The school system called off in-person classes Tuesday and Wednesday and will continue remote learning to allow more time for an agreement with the union on how and when to reopen all elementary schools for the first time during the pandemic. We have a quote from, oh, it's a joint statement. Mayor Lori Lightfoot and Janice Jackson said, quote, we have secured agreement on one other open issue and made substantial progress on a framework that we hope will address the remaining issues. Uh, it goes on here to say we are calling for a 48 hour cooling off period that will hopefully lead to a final resolution on all open issues as a result of the progress we have made and as a gesture of good faith for now, for now, <laughs> for now. Teachers will retain access to their Google suite. Can you imagine, by the way, had they opened the schools uh, in the middle of, after that snowstorm? First of all, nobody would show up anyway. Then it would look really bad. So what they did is probably, if I know the brains, the people that run City Hall, here, here's what we're going to do. We kidnap. No one would show up anyway. What we'll say is we'll have a cooling off period. Okay. Got that. Get that out there. Papers will throw that in. Cooling off. In fact, it did. Yeah, I think it's the headline in the Tribune. Yeah, officials call for cooling off. <laughs> yeah, Tribune bought it, man. Yeah, it's a cooling off period. Meanwhile, we have like uh, 12 inches of snow. Nobody can get to school anyway. Yeah, let's call it a cooling off period. Oh, good job. <laughs> That's great spin. And then there's like a joint, you know, like, wow, big deal. Janice Jackson and uh, Lori Lightfoot had a joint. Janice Jackson works for Lori Lightfoot, okay? It's not like they had a, like, come to some kind of compromise on what they're going to say. It's like Dr. D and Ben came to a joint statement. We're together like a team. Get one, you get the other. No, it was very important settlement between Lori Lightfoot and Janice Jackson. And then everybody, oh, I, I could just see Northsiders. Wow, Lori Lightfoot's getting along with Janice Jackson. How come she can't get along? How come the teachers union can't get along with them? Come on, guys. I live in the north side of Chicago. Come on, guys. You're being just like those policemen. I think, you know what, D? Let's give A to Lori Lightfoot for brilliant political maneuvering over the last uh, two days. <laughs> I just thought about that. Uh, the cooling off period, which uh, happens to coincide with the blizzard, in which nobody would go to school anyway. <laughs> uh, there's, no one said they were dumb. No one said they were dumb, D especially on this show. Today, the mayor was at a virtual 10 a.m. press conference with Chicago Sky owners and officials to welcome two-time, two-time WNBA MVP and local legend Candace Parker to the team. Hey, that's pretty cool, huh, Ben? Yes. Very happy that uh, Candace Parker uh, has come home of sorts. She's from Naperville, but that's close enough, right, D? And uh, so welcome back, Connor. To the Chicago sky. And by the way, how about those bulls? Victorious last night, huh, D? Yeah. I, I mean, I wasn't going to mention that, but since you raised the subject of basketball, Zach Levine for three. Yes. I know Lori Leifert was happy with it. Should be. No, Lori Leifert's more of a football fan. But anyway, brilliant move. Go hang out with Candace Parker and, you know, take everybody's mind off this confrontation with the Chicago teachers. So more good. I tell you, they're on a roll over at City Hall. They got to give them a lot of credit. <laughs> yeah. Candace, stand right here and say, hey, teachers, get back in those classrooms. I'm not doing that. <laughs> <laughs> 
Uh, Candace is like, uh, no, I'm staying out of that one. I just want a happy story about a great basketball player coming back to Chicago. All right, guys. So that's our local news today. Uh, remember, you can download previous Ben Jarofsky shows, Benny J bonus interviews, and so much more at chicagoreader.com and wherever else you download your favorite podcast. You can always reach us online at Benny J Show, B-E-N-N-Y, the letter J Show, on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram. Hey, and you can call the Ben Jarofsky Show. It's true. 708-658-4788. The number again, 708 708- <laughs> Six five eight four. Gets me every time. Four again. Four. Okay. Okay. I'm reading the number. Seven zero eight six five eight. It's called call to action. Seven zero eight six five eight four seven eight eight. Call the Ben Jarofsky show, and we would love to hear from you. A man Lightfoot, Al Sharpton. Okay, not now, Sharpton. <laughs> Good question, Sharp. She should have done like she did with uh, no, it was Hillary. Good question, Al Sharpton. Good question. That is a great question. I think Al Sharpton should take the role up. I'll be the intermediary. I'll broker peace. That's the old days. Jesse Jackson used to play that role. The great Reverend Jesse Lewis Jackson every now and then will come in and uh, broker peace between two warring factions. We could use some help from someone. Reverend Sharpton, I welcome your presence in the city of Chicago. All right. And uh, before we go to break, actually, uh, the live stream chat has been on fire today. Uh, well, first off, thanks to Frank. We now know Al Sharpton. Uh, he has a show on MSNBC. Boy, we are not with it. Yeah. No, I knew that. I, even I knew that. Really? Yeah, I just didn't know why he was in the middle of the Morning Joe show. No, I knew that. Yeah. Well, that makes sense why he was there. It, he works I, for I the company, that. you know, yeah. so. We have a lot of many guests, D, who love MSNBC. Uh, so I try not to say anything disparaging about MSNBC. We have a regular Wednesday guest who I believe has MSNBC plugged uh, into his earlobes. <laughs> Monroe loves MSNBC. So. Uh, also on the live stream chat, our good friend Michael Girardi, he weighed in. Uh, Michael Girardi, he has a little plan here. He wants to start a petition. He says, hey, if city council meetings are still virtual, it's time to reopen our city council. No reason we cannot do it safely, right? Here, 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 here. Oh, wait a minute. Hold on. It's an inconsistency. (laughs) It's a mixed message. We're in the middle of a COVID-19 pandemic, but everything's safe. Trust the science. Everybody's like, trust the science. And finally, shout out to Jay Marie, who, boy, just can't wait until you uh, stop talking about dead mice on the program. <laughs> uh, is she eating another sandwich? Remember last week? She was about to take a big she said bite she of a wasn't. sandwich. She said she wasn't, but she's just not a fan of, of mice, I guess. Uh, she also says here on the live stream chat, uh, she says that the uh, the city needs uh, – hold on a second here. Where did it go? She was talking about the, the mayoral race here. Uh, well, first off, she says you need to watch the show Lovecraft Country. Oh, yes. I am definitely – thank you. That, that's on HBO. Since I got HBO Max, I will be watching that show. Absolutely. That was one of the shows I couldn't watch because I didn't have HBO. And, so I will definitely be watching it. And Jay Marie says CTU needs to be working now for a good candidate to run for mayor in 2023. Someone better than Tony Preckwinkle. Yes. I think we can all agree that Tony Preckwinkle's mayoral campaign was an utter disaster. <laughs> and I got a feeling, uh, to quote John Lennon, or is that Paul McCartney, uh, that there will be a candidate running against Lori Lightfoot from the left. 
I, uh, maybe we remember now Sharpton. Who knows? All right, everybody, don't go anywhere because when we come back, Miles Camp Lassen returns to the Ben Jarofsky Show. We are live from my apartment in his attic. Shopton. A mayor life without shopping. 